rdtdaily.com presents a Tara Buster with comedian Tara Devlin. All right. My name is Tara Devlin. You guys know that, but maybe somebody who is wandering aimlessly through YouTube doesn't know what the hell what the hell they're looking at. I don't I don't know what I'm looking at really. I'm like, "Holy shit." <laughs> I guess it could be worse, right? We have to love ourselves no matter what. And especially now. Um yeah, well, welcome normal people and patriots. My name is Tara Devlin. We meet here every Saturday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern at the RDT Daily Facebook and YouTube channels. And then we are rebroadcast starting Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern on Progressive Voices. And I love Progressive Voices. I'm really happy and grateful to be on on Progressive Voices. I, I don't know if you guys are subscribers to Progressive Voices or, or have you downloaded the Progressive Voices app if you haven't, please do, because it has all really awesome liberal talk shows, including this show and Mike Malloy, Tom Hartman, um, who else? Stephanie Miller, whatever. Uh, all, uh, everybody. Who's anybody? Green News Report. Uh, Michelle Meow. Bunch of people. Uh, Randy as well. Randy Rhodes. So, all right. You guys know. Do that. Download that. Also, what else? Give the show a good review on iTunes, all that. Um, buy some merch, you know, become a patron at patreon.com slash Tara Devlin. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. He's like, he, he pays the price of admission every every week. You know what I mean? It's sort of like, it's uh, there's no price, but you can, I really appreciate, Jim, you're one of the core stable founders of the uh, OG Tarabuster crew. So that's awesome. Thank you so much. And all right, good. What else? I don't know. Um, let's just get into the show because why the hell else are we here but to try to make some sense of what the hell is going on and how we're going to fix it and it's also we get together it's i call it therapy for the resistance it, it is because it's also it's really important to know that we're not alone we're not in this by ourselves it seems overwhelming and it is but we're in this together and we are we will win because we are on the right side of history as well as the right side of humanity so when i was thinking about what am i going to call the show today every week I try to give a little title to the show, but I, I named it Republican Terrorism because there, is, there are no um, more terrorizing people in this country and world than the Republican Party. They are the terrorists. What they get, I mean, they get out of, um, what am I trying to say? What, their entire agenda depends on fear. And the anxiety they cause and death that they cause to the American people. When now, so because Trump launched, uh, he assassinated a a foreign general, which is outside the bounds of what we're supposed to do is in the rules of war. We're not you. We don't um, engage supposedly in assassination, and of foreign leaders. He's, regardless if they're a nice guy or not, but 
especially given the incubator for terrorists that we are are in for how for as long as I've been alive and before and for generations to come. Why are we even over there? Because of oil. We have ins- in- inserted our corporate interests noses into the Middle East for for time immemorial. It had nothing to do with uh, making the world safe for democracy, that's for sure. We overthrew a democratically elected leader, and we're responsible for creating, for, for making the uh, Iraq and Iran the, well, I mean, I'm talking about Iran specifically, but we're responsible for for the religious zealots that, that run the country. I, let me look at this. Hold on a second. I, I, and I don't um, assume that to be or even purport to be a, an expert in the Middle East, but we, the, the American people don't understand. Most of the American people don't know that we overthrew the the, the, the I keep wanting to say Iraq, Iranian government in 1953. Hold on a second. Iraq. I mean, yes, Iran. Oh, God. When I was in the military, let me just tell you a story. I remember uh, one of the cadences was when I was just a young boy or girl, depending on who was singing or leading the cadence, playing in the sand, please, Mr. President. And then you say, please, Mr. President, send me to Iran, send me to Iran. So this is what they're, right now, I'm sure they are marching to that cadence. And at the time, I remember thinking, I guess it's just rhymes, that's why we say, we're saying this. But, oh, hello, Tara Jr. Jr. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's this, it, this it's almost like a an inevitable... Um, you know, it, it, war that we're in. They want to be, uh, we understand that the Republican Party, they had to owe, under, undermine the Iran deal because they want war. There is no doubt. They've been itching for war with Iran. And it's, I, I guess it's really just for, right, I mean, for right now, it's for Trump's impeachment. It's a great, it's a great distraction. But they get so much more bang for their buck um, by fulfilling this, uh, this mission that they've had for generations. Hold on a second, guys. But I always remember that being in uh, when I was in training in the National Guard, that you know that uh, that cadence that we would sing. Why why are we singing "Send Me to Iran"? Unless it's it's you know it's a uh, self fulfilling prophecy. So in 1954, the CIA overthrew Iran's democracy in four days. This is from NPR, a, an article written in, in 2019 by who? Lawrence Wu and Michelle Land. On August 
2013, the CIA publicly admitted for the first time its involvement in the 1953 coup against Iran's elected prime minister, Mohammad Mossadegh. The documents provided detail, details of the CIA's plan at the time, which was, to, which was led by senior officer Kermit Roosevelt, Jr., the grandson of U.S. President Theodore Roosevelt. Over the course of four days in 1953, Roosevelt would orchestrate not one but two attempts to destabilize the government of Iran, forever changing the relationship between the country and the U.S., in this episode, well, this is a, a uh, an episode of uh, of NPR. It's a it it's I don't have the recording, but it's this is the preamble to the rep to the episode. And forever changing the re- relationship. We go back to retrace what happened in the inaugural episode of NPR's New History podcast. Okay, Mohammad Mossadegh was a beloved figure in Iran. During his tenure, he introduced a range of social and economic policies. The most significant being that the nationalization of the Iranian oil industry. Great Britain had controlled Iran's oil for decades through the Anglo-Iranian Oil Company. After months of talks, the prime minister broke off negotiations and denied the British any further involvement in Iran's oil. Could you imagine all of the lives that we've lost, all of the, the money wasted, the things we could have done with the trillions and trillions of dollars that we've poured into this pit, this money pit, this oil pit, this, the, the, uh, this inflamed ill section of Mother Earth where the consequences are, it's not, aren't just felt by the United States alone. It's, it's like having a sickness in the entire Earth because we feel the consequences of it. Imagine if we weren't in, indebted or weren't wedded to foreign oil or just oil in particular. And if we took um, the advice of Jimmy Carter and made ourselves energy independent and, re- and relying on renewable energy instead of oil. But the 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 original sin of the iranian government the democratically elected it iran elected elected the iranian government was that they were messing with the oil of the united states and its al- well and britain and its allies so we all we went in together to overthrow a democratically elected leader to install a radical, we, we didn't install the radical, we, we installed the Shah, who was the puppet. But the people of Iran rose up and they put in this radical um, religious zealot, the, the, and which is what we're under now. So now here we are, fast, fast forward to today. So it's... What a different world we'd live in if we didn't have these greedy, blood-soaked bastards who don't give a shit. They don't care about the people, the soldiers, the lives, the, the health and state of humanity. Not at all. They're not flying around making the world safe for democracy. They ter- they're such, they have so little respect for us as human beings and respect for earth they think we're stupid and some of us are unfortunately they really are 
Some of us really are because they vote for this guy. They vote for Republicans. They continue the, uh, the sham. They're eager participants. Where am I? God damn it. I wish one, maybe one day I'm going to look up and be like, where am I? Like literally, like I don't know where the hell I am. <laughs> that, that might be a relief. Just being like, where the hell am I? Let me see. Okay, Mohammad Mossadegh was a beloved figure in Iran. During his tenure, he introduced a range of social and economic policies, the most significant being the, natural, the nationalization of the Iranian oil industry. Great Britain had controlled Iran's oil for decades through the Anglo-Iranian Oil Company. After months of talks, the prime minister broke off the negotiations and denied the British any further involvement. And that is their right. Britain then appealed to the United States for help, which eventually led the CIA to orchestrate an overthrow of Mossadegh and restore power to Mohammed Pahlavi, the last Shah of Iran. According to Stephen Kinzer, author of the book All the Shah's Men, Roosevelt quickly seized control of the Iranian press by buying them off with bribes and circulating anti-Mosedek propaganda. He recruited allies among the Islamic clergy, and he convinced the Shah that Mosedek was a threat. The last step entailed a dramatic attempt to apprehend Mosedek at his home in the middle of the night. But the coup failed. Mosedek learned of it and fought back. The next morning, he announced victory over the radio. Mosedek thought he was in the clear, but Roosevelt hadn't given up. He orchestrated a second coup, which succeeded. Mosedek was placed on trial and spent his life under house arrest. The Shah returned to power and ruled for another, uh, for another 25 years until the 1979 Iranian Revolution. The 1953 coup was later invoked by students and, and the political class in Iran as a justification for overthrowing the Shah. So when Obama went to the Middle East and gave a, a speech when uh, he was first um, elected, when he during the early days of his presidency, where, where that he won in the first landslide election with the most votes, as strangely enough, that time the person with the most votes actually got to be the president. How interesting! How how odd! How uniquely undemocratic, un, well, how unrepublican of him. So uh, he went to Iran. He, he gave a speech in the, in the Middle East. Wait, hold on. Are you guys still there? <laughs> I don't see anybody. Obama, Middle East. Am I still on the air? That's the question that I have right before my eyes right now. Because I don't see you guys. Okay, you're there. You're there. Good. They. This is why. What this is what the the filthy, disgusting Republicans call his apology tour. So when they say, "Oh, Obama went out and he he went to the Middle East on an apology tour," he was he was simply acknowledging the fact of what. Everyone in the Middle East already knew the Americans had a part in the overthrow of a democratically elected government. And we're, we're the only idiots here in the United States. They don't teach that. 
in the U.S. They're running around yelling death to America. Who gives a shit? That's the one thing I, I have to say. When I, I constantly hear this from the, from the disgusting Republicans, oh, they run around, instead of saying thank you, America, they say death to America. Who cares? But he's a little tiny baby. And the so Republicans, they hate this country. This is the bottom line. So Obama went to the Middle East. And what Obama said is 100% correct. We will have to deal with the Middle East. It will either be in an endless war or we will have to deal with them dip- diplomatically. He was trying the diplomatic route instead of pouring more money they always talk about blood and treasure fuck you what blood have they ever shed for this country and it's our treasure because don't worry don't worry friends um they'll never they'll never sacrifice a day in their lives these are the scumbags that are crowing over the uh, amazing tax breaks and talking about how smart they are by avoiding taxes. Well, who pays for the treasure? Who pays for the boots, the literal boots on the feet when they talk about boots on the ground? Which makes me sick too, because those aren't boots, Bubby. Those are fucking human beings in those boots. Boots on the ground. They love to jerk off the boots on the ground, right? They jerk off about it. But they, they don't want to pay. They don't want to pay the taxes. They don't want to pay the price of admission into a civilized society. Who pays? We pay. So they talk about, oh, blood and treasure. It's never their blood. It's never a Trump's blood or a Lindsey Graham's blood. It's never him. It's, he, it's never their treasure. It's our treasure. Now we have to go and attack people who have nothing, who have less than nothing, who are hanging by a thread, going after their social security disability benefits. Because we, there's never enough. They got it. They need it all. They're not, they're not suffering. These are people who aren't, they're not sweating. They're not sitting home anxious, wondering about where they're going to be deployed. They're not worried. They're not hitting, uh, going, uh, uh, worrying about being hit by a missile. They're not flying, get, uh, worrying about whether they're going to be able to land without being turned to red mist. These mother effers, they play with Earth and the human species at like it's, a, it's like a, a, a cat with a mouse. Unfortunately, the uh, the dumbass Republicans, there these are you know there's a there's a symptom in a uh, there's a you ever hear of a trichinosis I think it's called trichinosis. Well, anyway, that's why pregnant women can't change litter boxes because there's a parasite. It's called I think it's called trichinosis. It's a very interesting parasite. Because it, it, it enters, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, because it enters the mouse, uh, it goes into the, ma- the, the brain of the mouse and it causes the mouse to be attracted to cat urine. So instead of being afraid of, of cats, it, this zombie 
parasite that attaches to the to the mouse's brain makes it makes it find seek out a cat who will then kill it and because the the parasite needs to mature in the in the gut of a cat it's just the sickest thing so that thing, that is alive you know what i mean that's a that's something that exists on uh in uh, in life on earth it's just so fucked up to me when i think about it but anyway but it that it kind of reminds me of republicans this is why i brought it up that that's who they are do they have something sick in their brain that makes them attracted to their to their their doom so the the very thing that's going to destroy them it's it cer- certainly seems that way but as much as it sucks living in this country and watching these assholes yes it's toxoplasmosis i'm sorry yes where am i getting trichinosis from trichinosis is that a thing i don't even know if that's a thing trichinosis yeah what is trichinosis not that it matters. I, oh, it's another one. Trichinosis is a parasitic disease caused by roundworms. Yeah, toxoplasmosis. That's what it is. But it's so... I find that so fucked up. Like, so it goes into a mouse's brain and makes them want to seek out a cat that will kill it. So the parasite can in, be uh, incubate in the cat's stomach again and over and over. That's so sick, right? So I, I guess there's it, it's a cult that's the bottom line there's something in the republican psyche that attracts them to their doom to their oppressors unfortunately they take us all with them that's the problem if only this is what i say just please secede already we don't need you we don't want you no one will miss you no one likes you except you so secede already. But no, they wouldn't do that because they want all the benefits of society. They want all the goodness that uh, liberals have tried to bring to society, but they want none of the responsibilities that we hold to each other as human beings. And I'm sick of them. Frankly, let me just play this. Where is it here? Um, sick, I mean, sick to death, frankly. Where is this? Mon- uh, because they had a press conference. Because we know the, the Twitter is lying to the, the American people. And the thing that pisses me off is why do we continue to let him get away with it? Hopefully you'll, you'll be able to hear this. Here we go. This strike was done based on an imminent threat, but this morning you said we didn't know precisely when and we didn't know precisely where. That's not the definition of imminent. The president has also suggested that there was some sort of attack being planned against an embassy, perhaps several embassies. Can you clarify, did you have specific information about an imminent threat and did it have anything to do with our embassies? We had specific information on an imminent threat and those threat stream included attacks on U.S. embassies. Period. 
full stop. So you were, you were mistaken when you said you didn't know precisely when and you didn't know precisely nope. where. Nope, uh, completely true. Those are completely consistent thoughts. I don't know exactly which minute. Can you hear that? I don't know exactly which day it would have been executed, but it was very clear. Qasem Soleimani himself was plotting a broad, large-scale attack against American interests, and those attacks were imminent. Against an embassy? Against American facilities, including American embassies, military bases, American facilities throughout the region. So, okay, bullshit. Why? Okay, this is when I watch this press conference. Uh, I mean, this is what I'm saying, guys. If I didn't have to do this, I don't know how much I could handle really watching this. It's, I understand why people like to tune out, frankly. Not tune out Tower Buster, of course, but tune out the filthy, disgusting daily events that are, are never-ending, the never-ending atrocities, the, the lying, the, com- the complete lies. Why? This is what struck me when I was watching that press conference. Why are they going along with the ruse? Why don't the, 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 the reporters, whatever they are, are they reporters? What are they reporting? They're just asking questions to liars. The White House press pool? What is the point of that? Why don't they just say, fuck it, we're not going to show up or, or send the interns. D- make a mass statement of, of public disgust. But don't, don't send your reporters there. They're liars. They're filthy fascist liars. Why didn't that woman, the, that reporter, say, how stupid do you think we are? We, do you really think we believe that there was an imminent threat because the cha- it changed. It's been changing all along. If there was an imminent threat to four embassies now, he pulled that out of his ass, then why weren't these embassies informed? No embassy was told to be on alert. No embassy was reinforced. None, none of that happened. So if there were, was an imminent threat... Why didn't they inform those who were being threatened? Because they're fucking lying. That's why. And we're supposed to sit here and say, just, just trust us. Believe us. Oh, yeah. We're going to be saying, oh, of course. Thank you, my lord, for saving us. We're supposed to be scared now. But guess what? We should be more on alert now than ever before. Because when we had the Iran nuclear deal in place before Twitler was took a shit on it, we, no, no, there weren't um, there uh, we there weren't planes being shot out out of the sky accidentally. There weren't um, people on alert, worried that they were going to be attacked. There weren't Americans in Iraqi bases running around looking for cover because of incoming missiles. So this mother effer and this entire disgusting administration of greed-centered ghouls, they, they don't, they think we're stupid. They, and they, the fucking press, the fourth estate, I'm sorry I'm cursing a lot. I'm just pissed off. I'm really, but th- they're going along with it. This is part of the problem. You understand what I'm saying? Be, we're, this is why I'm always like, what's wrong with us? And here's an example. The press in that room should, should have attacked them like, you think we're stupid. How dare you? 
be, by just the very fact that they're going along with it, asking legitimate questions as if they are sincere, as if this is a real thing that happened, that we were really under attack, an imminent attack, and also, if... There, if, if, let me just say, it doesn't matter. If so, what? If, if this general, okay, if there was an imminent attack, it's taking out or an assassinate. I hate that taking out. Taking, I'm taking it out. You know, it's, it's just another way that they jerk themselves off by pretending to be, be uh, sucking up to the military. Take them out. Right. I hate that. It's, uh, uh, whatever. But sometimes you just can't avoid it. But if there was really an imminent attack, right, why would taking out a general have anything to do to stop it? That's not how you stop an imminent attack because that's why you have a chain of command. If you, just because you kill somebody, even if you're in the midst of battle, you have a chain of command. So the general gets replaced by his junior it goes on and on and on, down to the lowly, lowly soldier. So that if there was really an imminent attack, it wouldn't matter if you assassinated the general or not. If there's a plan in place, it would still be carried out by those in the chain of command. So there's, they think we're stupid. They know we're stupid. We're not stupid. They are. And... They're, they have a cult fo following and backing them up and a press giving legitimacy to this, this, this ruse and all of the Democrats that I've seen trying to get in uh, on camera, on the corporate media, they're, of course they're skeptical of it, but they, they need to say they're, they're lying. There is, this is bullshit. They have, they, Trump ordered this assassination and just because we were impeaching him this is a distraction and he actually said this he, that it was he was being um pressured by some of his cult that to because uh, here it is hold on Report. Trump cited GOP Senate impeachment pressure as a reason to kill Soleimani. This is from the Intelligencer, the National, where is it? Jonathan K. Chait, right? Yes, Chait. Deep inside a long, detailed Wall Street Journal report about President Trump's foreign policy advisors is a, an explosive nugget. Mr. Trump, after the strike told associates that he was under pressure to deal with General Soleimani from GOP senators he views as important supporters in his coming impeachment trial in the Senate. Associates said this is slightly stronger iteration of the fact that the New York Times reported three days ago to wit pointed out to one person who spoke to him on the phone last week that he had been pressured to take a harder line on Iran by some Republican senators who support he, whose support he needs now more than ever amid an impeachment battle. This would not mean that Trump ordered the strike entirely or even primarily in order to placate Senate Republicans. Yeah, so we have to do that. We have to put in that, that uh, a little um, nod to maybe, maybe he's telling the truth. Bullshit. 
bull effing shit. Why are we treating him like he's not a, a liar who lies as easily as he chomps down on disgusting hamburgers? Like he's, he's friggin', uh, <laughs> what's that guy? I'd, I'd gladly, I can't talk today. Gladly pay you Tuesday. Pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. Who says that? He's, uh, that's what he reminds me of. Wimpy. <laughs> I'd gladly pay you. He's totally wimpy anyway. Gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. That's Trump in a nutshell. He's wimpy. He's a coward. He's a glutton. He's always on somebody else's dime. Gladly pay you Tuesday. Yeah, and the Tuesday never comes. I gladly pay you Tuesday. Benefactors, banks, people working for me, contractors, gladly pay you Tuesday. But Tuesday never comes. This Let's see. So he says, this would not mean Trump ordered the strike entirely or even primarily in order to placate Senate Republicans. Bullshit. Bullshit. Why are we playing along? It's about time that we just call it like it is. Just say it. It's He's a liar. He's full of shit. And he needs to be removed. Every single Democrat... Every single normal person, every single patriot in this country needs to adopt that frame. Enough is enough playing along with this ruse. It's like I always say, why do we have to play hail to the chief when this lying con man walks in the room? That in itself is a disgrace to everything that this country stands for, to everything decent. What's wrong with us? This makes me think of this article, actually. Susan Schaefer, from, who is uh, a Tarabuster supporter and friend, and also a Mike Malloy. I've met her numerous times on one of the Malloy Mountain Getaways, sent me this. There's an article in Raw Story. Our president is mentally ill, but the real sickness runs much deeper. Sick societies normalize the aberrant and abhorrent behavior of their leaders and other elites. This behavior, in turn, becomes a type of pathology that infects the general public. Last week, Dr. Brandy Lee, a, a professor of psychology at the Yale University School of Medicine and editor of the best-selling book, The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump, told Salon that Nancy Pelosi could have, could have Donald Trump involuntarily evaluated because he may be a threat to public safety. May? You know what I'm saying? We're still at he may be? As a co-worker, she has the right to have him submitted to an involuntary evaluation, but she has not. Anyone can call 911 to report someone who seems dangerous, and family members are the most typical ones to do so. But so can co-workers and even passers-by on the street. The law dictates who can determine right to treatment or civil commitment, and in all 50 states, this includes a psychiatrist. The advantage of a co-worker starting this process is that a court can mandate a mental capacity evaluation before the dangerous person returns to work. 
The committing physician is preferably the patient's treater, but does not have to be. Like, this is, obviously, this isn't going to happen. But it's... um. It's something to think about. Predictably, Lee's suggestion became the outrage of the day across right-wing disinformation echo chamber, but she is not clearly she is clearly not alone in her concerns for Don, about Donald Trump. Lee is one of the many hundreds of prominent mental health experts, historians, attorneys, and other professionals who since 2016 have tried to sound the alarm about the dire threat that Donald Trump and his regime represent to America and the world. Yes. This is what I'm saying. Why are we going along with this? It's those reporters in that room. They they need to cut the shit, frankly. They need to stop it and start addressing them as the con men they are. Do you really think that we are stupid enough to believe this lie? Now, all of a sudden, you settled on... There were four embassies under imminent attack. So we're all supposed to be afraid, be afraid, be very afraid that this is the leadership of the United States threatening, telling the American people to be afraid. They are, they are, it's committing malpractice against the body politic. They need to be, they need to be called out. First, we know they need to be removed. But it ha- this charade has to end, that we are going along with it, saluting this fucking orange baboon. Get the hell out. Give me- Why does he have war powers? When was this? Um, where was it? Sarah Sanders. The other day. I'm sorry I didn't capture it. Let me see. Hold on. Hold on. Now that I'm thinking about it. Sarah, because she was on Fox News. That's her new job, you know. Oh, my God. These people, they are, this is, who we're sharing the same air with these monsters, with these ghouls, liars, freaks, psychopaths who venerate a narcissist who receive fewer votes. So the other day on Fox and, and Fuckers, I think, no, it was, it was just Fox News, whatever, Sarah Sanders says, that she can't think of anything dumber than giving Congress war powers. This is, okay, I I was like, yes, thank you once again for proving me right. Not that I like to be right, but as I always say, it sucks to be right. It definitely sucks. I I wish I was wrong. But here's what I'm saying. Republicans hate America. Here's another example proving me right. They hate this country. They don't, not only do they hate it, it's because, because they're confused by it. Oh yes, she was on Fox and Fuckers. Um, yeah, they, that's why it's, it's goes deeper. You know, they're confused about many things. They're confused about modern civilization. They're confused about humanity, empathy, decency, dignity, democracy. So they get, it's like, um, any ignorant little something that is devolved, an ignorant little cuss, will they, instead of learning and evolving and trying to be better by understanding the things that, they, that confuse them, they, they lash out. They, they become violent against it. So 
that's Sarah Sanders proving me right again. Republicans hate democracy. They hate this country. Not only do they hate it, they're confused by it. And of course, they. I can't think of anything dumber than giving Congress war powers. Well, that's the Constitution, you dumb bitch. You stupid I- imbecile. Former White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders said on Thursday that she couldn't think of anything dumber than allowing Congress to authorize war. It's, it's fascinating to me how they get to be in positions of power and they weren't even required to take a class in this government and what this, this government means and how it runs. This fucking idiot was probably homeschooled because she didn't like to, her, her daddy, who was too busy, you know, lying for his fascist benefactors and covering up for his son who, who ha- hanged a dog when he was a camp counselor. Remember that? That's a, that's a decent man, right? Sarah Hucks, let me see, Sander Huckerbee. I don't know if you guys heard about that. That was many years ago. Not not too many that it doesn't make you wonder. Somebody that this is who Republicans are, sick motherfuckers. This dumb disgusting fake Christian freak, Mike Huck- Huckabee's son was a camp counselor and so he was a young person. And he, there was a stray dog. Instead of getting help for this poor, this poor innocent animal, vulnerable animal, what did Mike Huckabee's son do, David Huckabee? He hanged it by a rope, you know, for fun. When he was 17, what the f- That's a seven, you're fucking old enough if you're 17, now when you're 17, you can, well, I think you can join the military when you're 18, but when you're 17, you could start the process. You're old enough to be, to start making decisions, but you're not old enough, you're, you're just a young, young person. You don't know that when you encounter a vulnerable, a, an animal that is at your complete mercy, that you get help for the goddamn animal. You don't hang it by a rope. Because I thought he, I guess he thought that the, he would get away with it because the animal can't talk, right? This is what many sick sociopaths, psychopaths, they, they inflict their manias on innocent animals. Well, here you go. Sarah Huckabee Sanders' brother, David Huckabee, hanged a dog at camp when he was 17. And this is all over the place. We This is many years ago this happened. Not many, not too many. But it's an old story. Wait, hold on. I'm trying not to. I was, I had to like something caught in my throat. But I don't, I don't want to do it right in the microphone. <laughs> anyway, you guys, it's very um, accommodatable. Thank you. So, okay, um, his father, the then Arkansas governor, Mark Huck- Mike Huckabee, tried mightily to squelch the news by pressuring law enforcement, but multiple accounts emerged that David was involved in the dog's death. When he was 26, 
David was arrested in Little Rock for trying to board an airplane with a gun. You know, upstanding citizens, Christians, Republicans. This is who they are. It's his, it's their world. We just live in it. And if you're, if you happen to be a poor, stray animal that encounters their past, their path, you better, um, you better pray. I thought everybody knew this, and some of you may, but well, a well-informed person I talked to recently had no idea. This is a, somebody write, wrote, wrote this article. That's who's, um, that's who's talking right there. Let me see. So I thought I'd better get the news out there because it's hard to understand President Trump's spokesperson's moral compass without understanding something about their family. Understand, first of all, that I was raised by wolves not everybody raised by wolves becomes a wolf. David Huckabee may have been born a psychopath if he is one. Environment doesn't explain everything. The confluence of genetics and environment and personality development is complex. But regardless, hanging a dog is unusual behavior. Michael Vick, the, fo the football player who executed multiple dogs and took hard hits in the football field, according to my husband, because of his actions might be able to relate, but a few of us really can. Cruelty to animals is one of the four characteristics of, se of serial killers. Someone published a political cartoon showing the obese, looming Huckabee family eating the more numerous but slimy Romney family. I laughed, but the image was disturbing. Sarah Huckabee's av ability to twist the truth and lie with ease on her feet is a bit startling. This is a, just some uh, opinion written by Maria Hauser Conzamius from The Patch. So, anyway, it's just some random website. But anyway, I, want, I, 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 know, I knew that happened. I just wanted to look it up because it should be known. It's sort of like Sarah Sanders. So, for instance, when I, when I heard about this... Trump killing Soleimani, it's, it's reminded me of, in a way, of Sarah, of, um, Sarah Palin. I don't know if you guys remember. What the hell happened to Sarah Palin? She's not as, she's not as out, thank, thankfully, frankly, but a few years ago, she was trying to be a reality TV star. So when when Trump killed Soleimani, it's, it was sort of like he, it, it's a snuff film, basically. He snuffed him out for just, for distraction. And f so he can get a boost in the polls. So he can look like a war hero. Not, not taking into, into account any of the repercussions of what he might unleash in the Middle East. How are we expected to ever have peace if this motherfucker is going out there and assassinating their uh, other uh, leaders without even um, assessing the consequences of his actions. Donald Trump is responsible for that civilian airline going down. Those people would be alive if Trump wasn't trying to distract from his impeachment. That's the bottom line. Did he pull the trigger? But no, it's his, the actions had consequences. And that's exactly, those people would still be alive. There's no doubt. 
But it reminded me of a couple of years ago when Sarah Huckabee, not Sarah Huckabee, Sarah Palin was trying to be a reality TV star. She murdered a, a moose for the camera and she giddily chopped it up. And I, re- I remember reading this article by Aaron Sorkin and he really um, nailed it. So I'm going to read it. Where is it? I just had it. Okay. Unless you've never worn leather shoes, sat on a leather chair, or eaten meat. Save your condemnation. You're right, Sarah. We'll all go fuck ourselves now. So this is what he wrote for the Huffington Post. It's in an article called, In Her Defense, I'm Sure the Moose Had It Coming. So Sarah Huckabee, I mean, why keep saying that? I'm sorry. Sarah Palin said in response to the critics, because she killed the moose, and everybody was like, this moose d- didn't die for for meat or for any decent reason, what, but because Sarah Palin needed to look like she's, uh, you know, a, a tough hunter bitch or whatever. I guess that's something that appeals to Republicans. They love when things get, get made prematurely dead by, by their women. Especially, oh my God. Because in order to be a Republican woman, you have to be even more of a disgusting sociopath. You have to be even more anti-woman. Anti, you, can't, you can't be nurturing or loving or not that. Uh, traditionally female uh, ascribed characteristics. Not men, Not that men aren't loving and caring and nurturing, but that's what Republicans think. The female, whatever traditionally female characteristics, that's weak. You see, you got to be strong. Oh, my God. So, but Sarah Palin said to all her detractors, unless you've never worn leather shoes, sat on a leather, leather chair, or eaten meat, save your condemnation. So, Aaron Sorkin writes, yeah, you're right, Sarah. We'll all go fuck ourselves now. So... The snotty quote was posted by Sarah Palin on, like all great frontier women who've come before her, her Facebook page. To respond to the criticism she knew and hoped would come after she hunted, killed, and carved up a caribou during a segment of her truly awful reality show, Sarah Palin's Alaska, Broadway bro- broadcast on the now hilariously titled Learning Channel. Yes, it was a caribou, caribou not a moose, but... I eat meat, chicken, and fish, writes Aaron Sorkin. Have shoes and furniture made of leather. And PETA is not ever going to put me on their cover or of their brochure. And for these reasons, Palin thinks it's hypocritical of me to find what she did heart-stoppingly disgusting. I don't think it is, and here's why. Like 95% of the people I know, I don't have a visceral, look it up, problem eating meat or wearing a belt but like everybody like absolutely everybody i know i don't relish the idea of torturing animals i don't enjoy the fact that they're dead and i certainly don't want to volunteer to be one the one who kills them and if i were picked to be the one to kill them in some kind of lottery from hell i wouldn't do a little dance of joy while slicing the animal apart 
I'm a, I'm able to make a distinction between you and me without feeling the least bit hypocritical. I don't watch snuff films, and you make them. You weren't killing that animal for food or shelter or even fashion. You were killing it for fun. You enjoy killing animals. I can make the distinction between you, between the two of us, but I've tried and tried, and for the life of me, I can't make a distinction between what you get paid to do and what Michael Vick went to prison for doing. I'm able to make a distinction, distinction with no pangs of hypocrisy, even though I get happy every time one of you faux macho shitheads accidentally shoots one another in the face. Uh, me too. So I don't think I will save my condemnation, you phony pioneer girl. I'm in film and television, Cruella, and there was an insert close-up of your manicure while you were roughing it in God's country. I know exactly how many feet off-camera your hair and makeup trailer was. And you don't just do it for fun, and you didn't just do it for money. That was the moose. That was the first moose ever murdered for political gain. You knew there'd be a protest from PETA, and you knew it would be the opportunity to hate on some people, you, will, you witless bully. What, what a uniter you would bring, bringing the right together with the far right. Let me be the first to say that I abused cocaine and was arrested for it in 2001. I want to be the first to say that when Palin's army of arrogant assholes bereft of any reasonable rebuttal write it all over the internet tomorrow, they will at least, at best, be the second. I eat meat, there are leather chairs in my office, Sarah Palin is deranged, and the Learning Channel should be ashamed of itself. I love that article. So that was Aaron Sarkin. It's really, there you go. They, that's who they are. They are vile from the from the top of their heads to the tips of their toes to their cellular structure everything about them is disgustingly vile and unfit to hold leadership positions in a modern nation if you want to have a shithole nation run by zealots morons freaks cowards people who are unfit for democracy, then the Republicans are your people. That's for you. But if you, but if you want a decent society, you have to have and elect decent people. But this society, this democracy, this, fledgl this fledgling democracy, this, this faltering democracy is on its last legs because of the vile mother effers infesting government because whenever they get their hands on government they turn it into an agent of their own affairs and this is where we need to start we have to excise these 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 unfit morons sociopaths psychopaths out of our body politic you do it by getting rid of money in politics that is the root of all evil and that's how you will see Republicans flee government like uh, roaches when you turn the light on. That, because they're not in it for altruism. They're in it to make themselves rich and to, to suck up to the powerful, kick down on the powerless. 
They're in it for themselves because they have no regard for anybody else. They don't care. It was a an immediate instant gratification for Twitler, the most unfit moron ever to grift his way into this dying empire to order the death of Soleimani, and now he's got to come up with an excuse for it. And he thinks we're all dumb, and guess what? He knows that some of us are, and those people are... Anybody who's who, who's covering tw- Twitler's ass, this this time, believe, the only thing we are sure of, that everything will end. Everything's going to come to an end. This error, E-R-R-O-R, will come to an end. And... How are we how are we gonna recover from it? The Republicans are gonna have a lot of explaining to do. So they need to. Um, we 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 don't. You know we're not gonna change them overnight. We're not going to fix this thing overnight. But we start by not enabling them, not buying into the bullshit. You know what I mean? Let's have some integrity, some decency, and say, how stupid do you think we are? Look them in the, f- in the eye and say, I'm not going along with this ruse anymore. But Because every time that they ask an, a question as if they're, they're talking to legitimate leadership with a legitimate excuse for the actions they take then they play they play into it they they bolster their defense they give them plausible deniability and that has to stop (sighs) okay yes tara jr i know they suck they're horrible i know all right i'm gonna take a break because i need some coffee more coffee and we will get oh yeah that frank rich article ed on the i think that was the article i have in my stack over here that i was gonna read but i'll yes yes i'll get back to it when we get back in about eight minutes all right so we have the green news report and then we have labor history and if you guys are on facebook or on twitter or wherever Come on over to the YouTube channel. That's where all the cool kids are. And join the join the chat. All right, guys. My name is Tara Devlin. Thank you for all your support, for hanging out every Saturday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. And for becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Tara Devlin. And everything else that you do, like, subscribe, share the show, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I will be back in a few minutes we have labor history in two and then the green no no it's green news report labor history in two my name is tara devlin i'll see you in about eight minutes
Now, the top of the hour on the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn presents the Green News Report. The federal government has committed $2 billion to what will be the mammoth task of rebuilding entire towns that have been devastated by the bushfires. Australia grapples with unprecedented wildfires in a taste of its climate future. Climate change intensified deluge floods Jakarta, plus... That part of the world is still very important for the price that people will pay yeah. here at their gas tank. Buckle up. Trump's escalation of tensions with Iran is spiking oil prices. All of those escalations and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. And in the meantime, our political leaders have been doing their best to avoid addressing the role of climate change in making those bushfires more severe. Hey, Australia, we know the feeling. I'd apologize, but well, you know, Rupert Murdoch and all. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, we have been off for a couple of weeks, so um, Happy New Year. Mm, Not so much in Australia. Oh, yeah. A smattering of rain has provided only a tiny reprieve from unprecedented bushfires that have been sweeping across the east coast of Australia for months amid record heat and drought. At least 200 fires are burning in southeast Australia alone. As of airtime, at least 24 people have lost their lives. More than 1,500 homes incinerated. Mm. The Australian military is assisting in evacuations and firefighting. And the impact on Australia's unique wildlife is devastating. Experts estimate the fires have killed more than 400 million animals and pushed threatened species like koalas further into extinction. They warn that these repeated bushfires risk destroying the ability of some landscapes to recover. And Australia's bushfire season isn't even at peak yet. And I think Australia's politics are not unlike America's in that you got a whole bunch of climate deniers in power in that country. Indeed, and conservative Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison, who has dismantled Australia's climate policies while dramatically expanding coal mining, is under a firestorm of criticism for downplaying the role of climate change and his slow response to the ongoing national emergency. Good. Morrison was heckled by devastated residents and shunned by volunteer firefighters in a visit to a devastated rural village. As he should be, as should every politician politician who is a climate emergency denier. How come we only had four trucks to defend our town? Because our town doesn't have a lot of money, but we have hearts of gold, Mr. Prime Minister. You're an idiot, Michael. You really are. You are out. Bushfires occur in Australia every year, but this season began very early in September and is significantly worse than past years. Years ago, Australia's scientists predicted this extreme bushfire scenario, warning the increase in hotter and drier weather plus changes in monsoon rain patterns would make bushfires more intense and more widespread. Scientists, what do they know? 2019 was both the hottest and the driest year ever recorded in Australia. And on ABC Australia, climate scientist Dr. Michael Mann warned that the fires will get worse without climate action. You know, we're already seeing catastrophic impacts. You can imagine how much worse it'll be if we allow the planet to continue to warm, if we allow the continent of Australia to continue to dry out. This is just a taste of what's to come if we don't act. 
In Jakarta, the capital of Indonesia, the death toll continues to rise after weeks of torrential downpours caused widespread flash floods and mudslides. 66 are now confirmed dead, with nearly 200,000 forced to evacuate. Officials are spraying areas of the capital with disinfectant to slow the spread of waterborne diseases in the toxic soup of floodwaters. And the rain is not over yet. Mm. Finally, heads up for consumers. Oil industry experts are warning that President Trump's assassination of Iran's top general could royal global oil markets. And it's already goosed crude oil prices a bit. Iran has pledged retaliation, raising fears that it might attempt disruptive actions targeting oil production in Iraq or Saudi Arabia or targeting the strategically important Strait of Hormuz in the Persian Gulf, a choke point through which 20 percent of global oil is shipped. The world currently has an oversupply of oil, and it's early yet in the conflict, but previous oil price spikes have helped tip the U.S. economy into recession. You know who's not worried about the spike in the price of oil? Who? Oh, Tesla owners, hybrid car owners. You know, buy yourself an electric car, you don't have to worry about this madness, sort of. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. And don't forget, the Green News Report is 100% listener-supported. Thanks to you, we're on your public airwaves. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help keep us going. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyle. And this has been your Green News Report. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1937. That was the day the Battle of the Running Bulls occurred at GM's Fisher Plant Number 2 in Flint, Michigan. It marked the turning point in the Great Flint sit-down strike. Company guards attempted to stop food deliveries to the strikers. When confronted, the guards cleared out and the food deliveries resumed. The guards, however, reported to the local police that strikers were holding them captive. The Flint police soon arrived, throwing tear gas into the picket lines and through plant windows. The sit-downers responded with plant fire hoses and slingshots loaded with door hinges. The police continued to launch tear gas at the picketers. Then the crowd pelted police with any debris they could find. It was at this point that the police began firing indiscriminately into the crowd, seriously wounding 16. Glenora Johnson of the Women's Auxiliary, speaking from the sound truck, called her women to action. She recalled, she recollected in 1976, quote, that when I appealed to the women of Flint, I said, there are women down here, the mothers of children, and I beg you to come down here and stand with your husbands, your loved ones, your brothers, your sweethearts. Then I saw the first woman struggling, and I noticed when she started to break through and come down that a cop grabbed her coat, and she just kept coming. As soon as that happened, other women broke through, and the cops did not want to fire into the backs of women. When the women did that, the men came naturally, and that was the end of the battle. The women's auxiliary would continue to play a vital role throughout the strike. For more information, go to laborhistoryin2.com, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at laborhistoryin2.
Yo, okay, God, that goes by so fast. All right, my name is Tara Devlin. Thank you for hanging out. <clears throat> we meet here every Saturday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern at the RDT Daily Facebook and YouTube channels. And we're rebroadcast starting Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern on Progressive Voices. Thank you for subscribing, for sharing the show, liking, you know, all that stuff. This makes us grow. This will help the show and we'll uh, eventually the goal is to become a daily show instead of a a weekly show i do some weekday specials when i can and but that's the that's the goal we want to have the weekend show be the special and the daily show be the the regular show but we can't do that until we get enough patrons so that's all i can say you know the end of the story there. You just got to become a patron. Be a patron. It's very cool when you're a patron. Um, because you're really helping get the word out, frankly, about how we're... About the liberal policies that built the middle class to begin with. And how we're going to save this goddamn country from Republican destruction. Conservative destruction. It really is conservatives and liberals. We know that. By any name, conservatives suck. So I want to thank the patrons. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the patron list. Okay, everybody? Okay? Just chill out. I'm going to read the list here. Michael. It's not in alphabetical order right now. Just to switch it up. Michael B. Lisa M. Joey B. Michael D. Daniel S, Michael L D, Gail, Jim A, Sam, David, Gary, James, Martin, Cynthia, Dwayne, Peter, Jane, John, John J, Susan, Katie, Deborah, Paul, Randall, Kay, Haiku. Where am I lost my place? Mark. Martin, Joan, George, Stephen, Hi-Fi Guy, Lord Waffle Cat, Mary, Tony, Elaine, Max, Michael, Kathleen, and Colin. All right, Junior, get up here. <laughs> Listen to him. Can you hear him? He's a purr machine. It's really good for my blood pressure, frankly. I love him just purring because everything will be okay. And also, I want to say, Gene, I know that you, you are a supporter, but I think that you're supporting through PayPal instead of the patron, patron page. So you are more of a, you are a real early adopter of the Tarabuster mission. And um, maybe if you'd like to switch over to, to the Patreon, that might, that might be good. You know what I'm saying? All right, what else? Uh, please, if you, if, I, if you need something, if you want something, always reach out to me, okay? Um, contact at republicandirtytricks.com. Anything you have on your mind. I don't need to be called the C word, though, or a dyke. I, I realize that that happens. If you're a conservative, so-called. What is a conservative nowadays, anyway? What does that mean? 
they're such victims too. Oh, they hate every time I go online. If you go on Twitter, please, it's like the tediousness of conservative victims professional victimitis oh they're so everybody's picking on us they hate us really no honey we don't hate you because it's a testament to liberal values frankly that even republicans even conservatives get to get to um partake in the civilization that that liberals built for them because we're the patriots we don't leave anybody behind that's the other thing we need to start reframing this and if anybody has any if you go to a town hall or you encounter your representative or senator or whatever i really want this to, to to kind of take hold please inform your representatives that it is a matter of framing things we are the patriots we have to start framing things like universal health care, universal higher education um, as, you know, uh, whatever. Leaving no one behind. Minimum wages, raising the minimum wage, retirement security, expanding whatever, making a, a civilization work for those mo- who weren't born on third base thinking they hit a triple. That they have to be framed as the patriotic imperatives they are. We, that's what that's what Medicare for all is or universal health care. It is a patriotic imperative not to leave people behind. We don't leave them behind on the battlefield. We don't leave them behind in sickness, in ignorance. This is how you cultivate a a uh, solid democratic society, too. I mean, that's how you have to frame it for these fuckers. They're not patriots. They have stolen the mantle of patriotism because they're not patri- I mean that's just the bottom line they hate this country we as we prove every week we don't have to prove it i'm just r- telling you what's been going on i'm not proving it it's just like exhibit a exhibit b exhibit a here's sarah sanders saying it's the the dumbest thing to have congress for congress to have war powers that's what i say every goddamn week for these Republicans, they hate democracy. They want a king. Of course, it feels dumb to them. That, but it was a, a, a deliberately the founders put war powers in the hands of the Congress so we would be slow to war. That we because we're not a monarchy. We don't just go and do whatever the fucking king wants us to do. Which is so frightening now that why why does why is Trump able to order the assassination of another of a foreign leader without having to go through Congress? How is this good? And this is how the all republics die. You start blurring the lines. Things compromise. Things. Oh, it's the first time in American history this happened or that happened. This is how it dies. It's now the new normal. They Once you allow him to get away with what he's getting away with, it's over. You don't go back to normal. What is normal? I mean, what was our normal? At least we, I don't know. Our normal is, it's not normal. Our normal is not normal. 
it's not normal to have a functioning democracy that the, where the rich own and run everything and the poor and are now the uh, considered for public relations purposes the middle class it's bullshit we need to stop playing along with the game and that's why of course i'm for bernie hello i believe or elizabeth warren i would be happily i would happily vote for her and of course yes um i know for for years i've been hearing you have to hold your nose and vote democratic of course i will i will vote whoever the democratic nominee is even though i feel like i'm on uh um, I, this is a country in free fall, and we really tr- truly need somebody and a movement that will that understands what we're up against and what needs to change. So, without that, we're done. We we're doomed. Like Joe Biden, he needs to really just go back and go back and I don't know, hang out with Corn Puff or something. But Corn Pop. <laughs> but anyway, that but. Uh, Yes, I will vote for whoever the Democratic nominee is because you have to stop the bleeding. But the thing is, I, I, they always say, oh, hold your nose and vote for whoever. I honestly, when when I had to vote for the president in 2016, I didn't have to hold my nose to vote for Hillary Clinton. I Maybe some of you guys did. I didn't feel that. I didn't feel that disdain or where I was going to, I was holding my nose to do it. If... On the other hand, if Pete Buttigieg was the nominee, honestly, that would be a true hold my nose moment because I find him to be really, really kind of a grifter, too, in the same way he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about, too. I feel like he he wore the uniform because it was it would be good for his political career. That's the sense I get. He's 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 stupid in many other ways. The other thing I saw the other I'm, I didn't really mean on going off on a rant about Buttigieg again, but I just have this clip handy. This is I I captured this clip because I was going to talk about it a couple weeks ago. We'll get back to Twitter in a minute. But this is Buttigieg a couple of uh, years ago speaking to children about slavery. Similarly, the amendment process, they were wise enough to realize that they didn't have all the answers and that some things would change. Uh, A good example of this is something like slavery or civil (laughs) rights. Uh, It's an embarrassing thing to admit, but the people who wrote the Constitution did not understand that slavery was a bad thing and did not respect civil rights. Are you serious? Yes, he's serious. And first of all, he doesn't even look much older than these children. Uh, and yet they created a framework. <laughs> I mean, why uh, so don't that- she, that girl right there, she should run for president. She looks, she looks the part. She has a inquisitive look. She has an empathetic look. She, she could probably speak well, just so, just like Buttigieg. As the generations came to understand that. that- Wait, I have to play this again. Bad thing and did not respect civil they rights. They didn't think that <laughs> slavery was a bad thing did not understand that slavery was a bad thing and did not respect civil rights. Uh, And yet they created a framework 
uh, so that as the generations came to understand that that was important, they could write that into the Constitution, too, and ensure true equal protection for all of them. Are you fucking kidding me? Of course they knew slavery was bad. And just the fact that he says that to children goes to show you what what the fuck does he know what he's talking about? No. And he doesn't give a shit. How do you ha go to children and say that with a straight face? The founders didn't know that slavery was bad, but they knew what? They knew that monarchy was bad. Intergenerational aristocracy was bad. They knew that slavery was bad, and they did it anyway because that was the system they had. And it's sort of like Pete Buttigieg meeting his benefactors in the wine cave. He knows it's bad, but he's going to play along because that's a means to an end to him. And the end is, he, like, him being president? Give me a break. You're a goddamn mayor of a, of a small town, and you suck at that, too. That's at each other's throats. Please. And then you go, you have the nerve to go and tell children that the founding fathers didn't think slavery was bad. What kind of bullshit? That's even, it's like the conservatives. They tell their, they, they tell these tall tales to their, uh, whatever, you know, um, to their kids or whatever about how, oh, this is a, a Judeo-Christian nation but founded the founders were found, they founded this country on judeo-christian values that other bullshit that is not true it's just not true it may sound fine for you to say something like that but it's it's not true it sounds it fits into your meme that the the founders were somehow conservatives like you when they're not they're not they were not conservatives they were progressives that's for sure looking forward to think with forward thinking going away from the old order so give me a break here and just to say something like that is malpractice to kids how do we ever get over or have any kind of of progress in this country surrounding our racist ass history with that kind of bullshit being sown the founders didn't know that slavery was wrong, but they built a framework that, I mean, come on with this. Give those kids a little bit more credit, for Christ's sakes. Really. And we'll never get better in this country. We'll never heal with that kind of shit being, being sown. And you know what? It's also, it's really, it's really, um, it treats us human beings other fellow americans like we're imbeciles and we're infants infantiles like the the infantilization of us we can't have a, a mature conversation about what it means to be an american how this country was founded on racist racism and slavery and genocide no we can't oh they didn't know that genocide was bad either i guess it's ridiculous. No, they knew, but they did it anyway. And they, they thought they had a divine right. It was manifest destiny. Anyway, whatever. You could see how irritated I get by him. And thank you, Stephen, for the super chat. I just popped over to YouTube and somebody else. 
gave me a super chat, but I, oh, tell it like it is radio.net. Thank you, tell it like it is radio.net. Coolness. That's very cool. I will check it out. Tell it like it is radio. You can put me on that cha channel if you like. I don't know. Anyway. All right. What else? The other thing. Yes. There's so many things. I hate. I just hate Republicans. That's it. That's it. You know why? Like I would hate cancer if I if I had that kind. If I like I hate sickness. You know what I mean? There's so many things. There are many many articles. I'm looking at the time. I'm like, holy shit! It flies by. That's what I'm saying. We need to do a daily show. You know, because it really goes by, and that's what's required. Frankly, you know what I mean? We're not going to win if we are doing this part-time. You know what I mean? For real. But there's so many great articles. Well, I'll start with the one that we, were, we brought up in the break by Frank Rich. What will happen to the Trump toadies? Look to Nixon's defenders and the Vichy collaborators for clues. Irony de declared dead after 9-11 is alive and kicking in Trump's America. It's the concepts of truth and shame that are on life support. The definition of facts has been so thoroughly vandalized that Americans no longer agree on what one is. And our president has barreled through so many crimes and misdemeanors with so few consequences that it's impossible to gainsay his claim that he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and get away with it. Donald Trump proves daily that there is no longer any penalty for doing wrong as long as you deny everything. Never say you're sorry and have co-conspirators stashed in powerful places to put the fix in. Isn't that so goddamn true? This is it. We're watching the death of the Republic. Let me because it reminds me because Cicero, the Roman orator, was around while the Roman Republic dead died, and he wrote about it. And I I just think about. Let's see. Let me see. Wrote about. Oh, well, I wasn't prepared to speak about that. So I didn't have the article up. But let me just continue with Frank Rich. No wonder so many fear that Trump will escape his current predicament scot-free. With a far gone acquittal at his impeachment trial in the GOP controlled Senate and a pull from behind victory in November buoyed by the booming economy, quote unquote, booming, as we know, is bullshit. Fractious Democrats and a stacked electoral college. The enablers and apologists who have facilitated his triumph over the rule of law happily agree. John Kennedy, the Louisiana senator who parrots Vladimir Putin's talking points in his supine defense of Trump, acts as if there will never be a reckoning. While he has no relation to the president whose name he incongruously bears, his... <laughs> His every craven statement bespeaks confidence that history will count him among the knights of the buffet table in the gilded Mar-a-Lago renovation of Camelot. He is far from alone. 
if we can extradite ourselves from, even briefly from our fatalistic fog, however, we might give some credence to a wider view. For all the damage inflicted since Inauguration Day 2017, America is still standing, well, whatever, in name only. It's, it, was, uh, it was teetering on the edge before. Please, it's still standing? It might be standing for Frank Ridge in the Ivory Tower. It's not standing for the average American. That's, this is what gets me annoyed, to put it mildly. The, buoyed by, uh, what did he write? Buoyed by a, a booming economy? Again, it's not booming. It's booming for the 1%. It's been booming for the 1% for generations. It's not booming. For the one-third of the American people who can't retire, that's not a mo booming economy. Fucking ridiculous. America's still standing. A majority of Americans disapprove of Trump and the laws of gravity, if not those of the nation, remain in full force. Moral gravity may well reassert its pull, too, with time. Rather than being on the end of American history as we know it, the Trump presidency may prove merely a notorious chapter in that history. Heedless lapdogs like Kennedy, Devin Nunez, and Lindsey Graham are acting now as if there's no, so, no tomorrow. But tomorrow will come eventually, whatever happens in the near future. And Judgment Day could arrive sooner than they think. The judgment will be rendered by an ever more demographically diverse America, unlikely to be magnanimous towards cynical politicians who prioritized pandering to Trump's dwindling all-white base over the common good. All cults come to an end, often abruptly, and Trump's Republican Party is nothing if not a cult. While cult leaders are generally incapable of remorse, whether they be totalitarian rulers, sexual Svengalis, or the self-declared messiahs of crackpot religions, their followers almost always pay a human and reputational price once the leader is toppled. We don't know how and when Donald Trump will exit, but under any scenario, it won't be later than January 20, January 2025. 20, even were he to be gone tomorrow, the legacy of his most powerful and servile collaborators is already indelibly bound to his. Whether these enablers joined his administration in earnest or aided and abetted it from the elite purchases, purchases in politics, Congress, the media, or the private sector, they will be remembered for cheering on a leader whose record in government thus far includes splitting up immigrant families and incarcerating their children in cages, encouraging a spike in racist, xenophobic, and anti-Semitic vigilantes, leveraging American power to promote ethnic cleansing abroad and punish political opponents at home, actively inciting climate change and environmental wreckage, and surrendering America's national security and <laughs> to an international rogues gallery of despots, the selective shortlist doesn't take into account any new White House felony still to come, any future repercussions here and abroad of Trump's actions to date, or any previous foul deeds that have so far eluded public exposure. For all of the technological quickening of the media pulse in this century, Trump's collaborators will one day be viewed through a long lens of history like Nixon's collaborators, 
before, and the various fools, opportunists, and cowards who tried to appease Hitler in America, England, and France before that. Once America has vacated the Oval... I mean, once America... Well, America has vacated. Once Trump has vacated the Oval Office, and possibly for decades thereafter, a forensic colonoscopy to root out buried crimes, whether against humanity or the rule of law or both, with time, everything will come out. It always does. With time, the ultimate fates of those brutalized immigrant and refugee families will emerge in full, and Trump's collaborators, our Vichy Republicans, will own all of it. Whether they were active participants in the wrongdoing, like Jared Kushner, Stephen Miller, Kristen Nielsen, Mike Pompeo, William Barr, or the so-called adults in the room who stood by rather idly than sound public alarms for the good of the republic, like Gary Cohen, John Kelly, Rex Tillerson, whatever, please. He's trying to give them accolades. Or those elite allies beyond the White House gates who pretended not to notice administration criminality and moral atrocities in exchange for favors like tax cuts and judicial appointments from Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan to Franklin Graham and Jerry Falwell. Well, anyway, this is a long ass article. I can't read the whole thing because we'll be that'll be we'll be going into the next hour. Let me let's just wrap it up. The that that's what we know. We understand what he's saying 100% true. Although as I was saying, from his perch in the ivory tower. Oh, what a great economy. Why do we play along with that shit? Even somebody like Frank Rich why doesn't he say this supposed great economy that only works for those at the top? Otherwise, you're playing right into his, his propaganda. But what can we expect? We're in this predicament because of the broken system. We're here because the, of money and politics, because of the corporate media, of a corrupt elite that cheered all along. They've been all along with the death of democracy. They let it happen. They stood by. They continue to sow this bullshit meme that America is uh, the, 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 what do you call it? The, the, the system will hold. The system is strong enough to stand up against Trump. Well, the fact is we wouldn't even have a Trump if not for the broken system, he, 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 he would not be the so-called president, despite receiving fewer votes, in a country that was functioning for the majority of people. He is a symptom of the sickness. And he's a, he's a filthy liar. So why should we now, why, are, why to pretend to go to have a press corps legitimately ask him questions without a hint of irony. It plays into the sham. It gives him legitimacy. It pretends, it says, if we're all in on it, this delusion. He's a fucking liar. We're always saying how much he lies. The Washington Post is keeping track of the thousands of lies. Why are we going to assume that this time... This one time, in the midst of his impeachment, he's telling the truth. We, we were under imminent attack. 
Republicans hate this country. They hate the American people. And not only do they hate the American people, they count on the stupidity of the American people. Here's Mike Pompeo again at the press conference being asked, what's your definition of imminent? What is your definition of imminent? This was going to happen. And American lives were at risk. Bullshit. So we're supposed to be afraid. You see what I'm saying? This was going to happen. This is American lives at stake. They they don't give a shit about American lives. Are you kidding me? More Americans die under Republican conservative administrations. Infant mortality rates, for example. Infant mortality rates in the U.S. seem to go up during Republican presidencies and down during Democratic presidencies. The U.S. has made a lot of progress in cutting infant mortality. The rate today stands at about five deaths for 1,000 births, down from more than 50 deaths per 1,000 births in 1935. But the progress doesn't match other developed countries. In OECD rankings, the U.S. comes below Hungary and then the Slovak Republic. Why? A, 19, a, a 2013 study by researchers at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor looked at how the U.S. president's party affected infant mortality rates and found the surprising correlation. When Republicans control the presidency, the infant mortality rates go up. The authors of the 2013 study accept that there is a possibility that the correlation is spurious. Other factors may lead to the outcome seen in the data. And Democratic and Republican administrations have both introduced policies that may lead to a reduced infant mortality. But the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Social Security Act of 65 introduced, other, uh, introduced under a Democratic presidency eventually helped reduce racial disparity and increase health care spending for those who couldn't afford it. The Michigan researchers point out, meanwhile, the expansion of Medicaid between 72 and 92 during largely Republican presidencies helped also helped reduce the mortality rate. Yet, Michigan researchers wrote that they were struck by the consistency of the association we have uncovered. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. In any case, the data doesn't bode well for predicting what might happen under Trump's presidency. This is an article written before he the scum of the earth took the oath of office. But here's, uh, let's play this again. Lives were at risk. Bullshit. This was going to happen. And Bullshit. American lives were at risk. And we would have been culpably negligent. As yeah. the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff said, we would have been culpably negligent had we not recommended to the president that he take this action in Qasem Soleimani. He made the right call. And America is safer as a result of that. Right. We're going to try to do one question for everybody. Yep. Why answer? See, she's trying to. Why the shifting narrative about the? Why the shifting explanation? Oh no no no! We want to get more people in. Want to get more. Like, we have to continue lying to more people, you see. We have to continue evading. Bullshit. How many more have to die? 
this was gonna happen. Imminent. This was gonna happen. Bullshit, it's so irritating. And we would have been culpably negligent, as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff said, we would have been culpably negligent had we not recommended- You fucking lying scumbags. Do you see how, how a republic dies? Why didn't all those reporters say, bullshit in unison, you're full of shit, you think we're all dumb, don't you? How much, how many more lies are you going to tell to our faces? They really do think we're all stupid. And I guess we are because we allow them to continue to get away with it. Oh, they're so concerned about American lives, right? So concerned that they celebrate when they kick millions off of health care or they won't do a goddamn thing about gun control. They're so concerned about American lives, though. They don't care when children get mowed down in classrooms, though. Those are American lives. What about the American lives who die from deaths by despair simply because they weren't born on third base thinking they hit a triple and some fucking grifter, they couldn't come up with a grift like Trump University or Trump Steaks or some or Trump Network Vitamins. They, they couldn't pull themselves up by their bootstraps and marry a con man like trophy wife number three and two. Unbelievable. The lies are, they never stop. So we're supposed to believe now because in the middle of Trump's impeachment, there was some imminent, there, imminent threat. And Soleimani, the, the thing that pisses me off too is that they, of course, these filthy, disgusting, fascist bastards run around saying, oh, Democrats, they, they're mourning Soleimani. And so the Democrats have to always begin whatever statement they make against Twitler's uh, unconstitutional abuses of power uh, about uh, running a war to distract from his impeachment by escalating tensions in the Middle East because Obama tried to de-escalate them, that they have to all begin by the obligatory sentence, well, the world is much better off without Soleimani in it. We're much safer. Bullshit! Bullshit. Why do they have to play into the hands? No. Either we're a nation of laws or we're not. The, Amer- the, um, the, the American people are less safe because of Twitler. Just taking out one general, taking out. Ridiculous. Just assassinating one general does not stop what the Iranians are doing. It's like, what they didn't like cut the head off a snake or something. It's there's a lot of other people that work in uh, in Iran in the, in the chain of command. That's why you have a chain of a command. Just assassinating one actor, one person, it doesn't end it. That he's a it's a general in a military. It's as if um, if they assassinated um, Eisenhower, all of a sudden D Day would come to an end. No, that's not how it works. The fact is, he, he's a liar. He's a filthy liar. And if they think that we're, so st- we're stupid, they must be referring only to themselves. They better look at themselves. Of course they know that their own 
stupid followers are stupid. They vote for this, this con man who has a long history of cons. It's not like there's, the, you would think this champion of the people, there would be at least one, one evidence, one thing, one incident where he was operating out of the interest of others, out of altruism, and not just for himself. No. Never. Not in all of his 70-whatever years, you wasted useless years sucking on this planet. Taking. The biggest takers are, this, are Republicans. You, gotta, you better believe it. There are no bigger takers than them. From their from from their their disgusting orange baboon standard bearer to the lowliest asshole on Fox News. Takers, they oh there's they love the military too. This is what gets me so annoyed. None of them. Oh, we, you support the military? I, I saw Megan McCain. You support the military? I like you because you support the military. How do you support the military? By sending them needlessly to war again and again and again based on lies. That's not supporting the military. So this lying piece of shit we're supposed to believe now he's telling us the truth because there was an imminent threat because he, was, he cares so much about us. And in other news, the filthy, disgusting, orange baboon Republican standard bearer, remember how much he attacked Obama for golfing, for playing golf? Well, Trump has spent one in every five days in 2019 at a golf club, and and most often his own, because that's why a Republican gets into government. They're not in it for altruism. Here's a here's a montage from M- M- from NBC of Obama. I mean, of Trump lying about not taking vacations. Believe me, there won't be time to go on vacations. There won't be time to go golfing all the time. If I get elected president, I'm going to be in the White House a lot. I'm not leaving a lot. A lot. Yeah. Since, and it says for those on the podcast, since inauguration, Trump has gone golfing at least 21 times. But this is an old video. Now it's one in five days. He spent more money on golfing uh, in one year than, twi- than Obama spent his entire presidency. This fucking grifter. You stupid morons who voted for him. You voted for this con man? What the hell is wrong with you? Have you not been paying attention? That Do you hate America that much? That you put her in charge? You put a moron in charge? A grifter? A con man? That's how much you hate this country? You hate democracy that much? You don't like black people? You don't like sharing with black people? You don't like immigrants? You don't like you? You don't like America? Because this is a nation of immigrants. If you don't like who you are at the core, get help. Get the help you goddamn need. Rather than inflicting it on America. This thing that we're trying to do. 
What, what is a shining city on the hill to you assholes? What does that mean? I know you like Reagan because he started unraveling the New Deal and he really liked to stick it to those brown people. Just like you. Something is wrong with you, Republicans, and you should get help. Stop inflicting your shit on society. It's like a family, you know, in a family, you have, if someone's sick, an addict, let's say, we're all, the, the whole family is sick. But we're just tired of you dragging us all down with you. Get help. Eventually, the family has to say to the addict, that's it. You're cut off. You can't drag us all down with you. you ha- we have to cut you off. You have to hit bottom. Unfortunately, with Republicans, the way this filthy, this, this, uh, these filthy fascists have it, that they, they drag us all with them. But they all want their benefits of society, right? They all want their, their pre-existing condition benefits, their social security, their socialist security, their Medicare, all of the benefits that liberals fought for. While you fascists stood up, stood up yelling, stop. Get help. You, you're so easily, and uh, it's not just the easily led part, it's the eagerly led by a con man, right over the cliff, like the toxoplasmosis mouse, walking right into the jaws of your, of your doom. Listen to the, so let's just continue. But if I were in the White House, I don't ever think I'd see anything. I just want to stay in the White House and work my off, make great deals, right? Make great deals, right? I, right, I just want to work. In the, uh, no, that was 21. It said on the graphic that he's gone golfing at least 21 times. This is an old montage. Very old. He He's beyond. He's one in five days at a golf course. He's not working. He doesn't work. If you look at his schedule, his schedule is publicly available. I don't know why they just don't lie about that, too. Just put shit in. uh, Executive time. But he doesn't come down even in the White House. What does he do? He doesn't even do anything. He looks at swatches. That's what he did at the Trump organization. He, he tells people, go get, get me those 50 chandeliers at top dollar, and I'm going to sit here staring at a swatch. That's all he did. He doesn't make deals. Look at his, if he can, he would have. He doesn't know how to make a deal. He sucks at deals. He knows about deals that he saw on TV. That you have to play hard to get that you walk out of the room. This is what he thinks. He's a baby. Ridiculous. Who's going to leave? Can you believe... Wait, here we go. Let me get rid of myself. Or make myself smaller there. Yeah. Can you believe that with all the problems and difficulties facing the U.S. President Obama, oh wait, sorry, 
facing the U.S. President Obama spent a day playing golf. Worse than Carter. These are Trump's tweets. President Barack Obama's vacation is costing taxpayers millions of dollars. Unbelievable. That's Trump. Trump's tweet in January 2012. I will not be taking very long vacations if I take them at all. There's no time for vacation. Are you full of shit? And you have so much work to do. Why do you fly so... Why do you leave so much? And honestly, Obama ought to get off the golf course and get down there. And we shouldn't leave town until this is complete, until this bill is on my desk. Don't take vacations. What the point? If you're doing... This is him um, justifying his the fact that he's a, a, a liar. Don't take vacation. Oh, wait, wait, wait. This is not. The, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I thought this was a more recent tweet. Don't take a vacation. What's the point? If you're not enjoying your work, you're doing the wrong job. Quote, unquote. Think like a billionaire. Oh, thank you, my lord. Don't take vacation. He's telling us not to take vacation. So don't take vacations. Well, who takes a vacation? I had a vacation. I had a couple of days off. I went to the Malloy get-together for, th for three days. That was my vacation. Yeah, we don't have vacations here in the United States of Serfs and Lords. Vacations? I can't get out of the tri-state area vacations. If you're not working, you gotta gotta drive an Uber. I don't drive an Uber personally, but you know what I'm saying. I do this. I do. I am working every goddamn day. You gotta work your three uniquely American, low-paying jobs without benefits or security to not get even close to the standard of living that our grandparents fought for in World War II. When we used to fight fascism instead of um, enabling fascists, instead of sucking up to fascists and calling fascists or dictators and authoritarians smart cookies. Real smart cookie. What about vacations? You're not going to take any vacations? You've said that. We have so much work, so I don't think we'll be very big on vacations. No. Can you believe it? It's... You're, it's the it's the filthy, disgusting, right-wing morons who cheer for him, despite the fact that they are being lied to. They must l really hate themselves. That's what it's about. For to allow someone to stare at you right in the eyes and and lie to your face, and you're like, "Great job, great job." We won't be taking any vacations except for taking the most vacations in most in 287 years. Wait, wait. Trump has spent, this is from the Huffington Post, but this was in November. Trump has spent 115 million on golf trips or 287 years of a presidential salary. Let's not... You know, that's just that's dumb taxpayer money. You know what I mean? That's what it's there for. It's for the rich to go play golf. There's a, a website, trumpgolfcount.com. So now we're up to 242. Cost to taxpayer about $121 million. 
Trump's hypocritical golf habit. Oh, and the other thing is Steve Mnuchin. Oh, shit. I can't believe what time it is. My God. It went by so fast. This is crazy. What time is it? Four minutes? Oh, my. Well, to wrap it up, Steve Mnuchin says that he won't... He's not going to let out. He's not going to reveal. He refuses to admit how much the Secret Service spends on Trump's golf trips until after the election. Not that we wouldn't need to know anything like that. It's we're just the peons, you see. It's their world. We just live in it. Is it beneficial to Trump? Well, then go assassinate somebody. Use taxpayer money to strong arm another leader into giving you dirt on your political opponent. You, it's all for your own benefit. You're just there. The, the, the dumb taxpayers are just paying into it so they don't receive any benefits while they go after, while Republicans go after anything that will actually make you, uh, make your life somehow better. Or, or less stressful. That's all for, that's for the people at the top. One in five days on the golf course, forget it. That's not for you, booby. You got to be on the Uber course. You got to be taking uh, another side hustle. That whole thing, side hustle, that that's, that's irritates the fuck out of me. Side hustle. This whole lingo of the, of the new Gilded Age is... So, it's so, my God. No wonder I had a migraine last week. I'm surprised I don't have a migraine every goddamn day, frankly. And I'm really sorry that the the time went by so fast. That's the way it goes. I got to keep it to two hours on the Saturday. Thank you, Patricia. I just saw your super chat. Did I miss anybody? No, it's hard to see. Once Because they go by. Stephen Lee, I got you there. And now I can't see anymore until after the show because it goes by on the on the chat and then it goes away. And then I can't see it till the show's over. So if I missed any super chats, please forgive me. I am I am very appreciative of your time and coming every Saturday to hang out and chill out and uh, are we chilling out? No, but it does fly by, but we got to make the best of it. I think this is a good use of our time to expose the fascism, to reclaim the mantle of patriotism, and stick together. Get to know each other, and we have each other's backs. This is how we're going to win. We stick together, we win. That is the motto of this show. It is the motto of the American dream. Because we don't leave anybody behind. We are the patriots. Liberals are the patriots. Don't forget, we built this country while the conservative ancestors were pining to be trickled upon by the king. And they, they proclaiming their natural Lord. They were the ones who are, who are anti-American and they're still are. They're st it's like they're rolling back the American revolution for him, for a moron. 
because ultimately that's their goal. They don't care if it's, he's a moron. They would like a, a more reasonable fascist who does somebody who doesn't tweet. But rest assured, Mike Pence or any Republican in there would be just as anti-American. Do not forget it. We're the patriots. We are on the right side of history. We are on the right side of humanity. And we will win. So remember that. We are the patriots, and do not uh, let them get away with their bullshit. We stick together, we win, and we will win. I'm just trying to find the other thing here. Okay, yeah, here we go. My name is Tara Devil, and I will try... Oh, you know what I was thinking? Maybe we there's a debate on Tuesday. Maybe we can do another watch party. So that might be fun. Hopefully, if all goes well, we will do it. We'll meet here again at the... On, and we'll watch the debate together. Does that sound fun? If something changes in my schedule, I will let you know. But plan on that in the meantime. All right. I love you. Thank you, Troy Miller on the chat for that nice compliment. That means a lot because I'm very self-conscious as we all are. But my name is Tara Devlin. We stick together. We win. Please become a patron and like and share the show, subscribe, all that stuff. I will see you very soon.